So today, my talk has been inspired by a conversation which I had with daughter, our Naomi, no, my daughter, Naomi, our daughter, Naomi, a few weeks ago in the car. And she said she had been listening to a song and one of the lines, the lyrics, had really jumped out at her. And the lyric in the song was this, such wonderful things surround you. And she said it had really made her think and consider some of the really good things that were around her and the good things of God in her life. And she said in life it's very difficult sometimes to appreciate and be thankful for the good things in and around our lives because when we listen to the news, it's full of doom and gloom and uncertainty. And in our own lives on a daily basis, sometimes we find it hard to consider and be grateful and thank God for the good things in our lives because we are living futuristically. We're always thinking about the next thing or thinking where my life, I would like my life to be in the future or thinking about the things I don't have. And so sometimes it's good to kind of stop and just take stock and live in the today and thank God for those good things that do surround each and every one of us. And so today, really, I would like to talk about thankfulness or thanksgiving. And um, for those of you who uh, know America, this is a time where they're gearing up for Thanksgiving. Any Americans here? Any Canadians? Okay, there we go. So Thanksgiving, as we know, is celebrated in America, in Canada, and some parts of the Caribbean islands, and in Liberia. And sometimes it's celebrated October, but mostly November, and this is a time where they're gearing up for Thanksgiving. And I think Thanksgiving is a wonderful concept, isn't it? It's a time where people fly home or fly state to state to be with friends, and they celebrate and they say thank thank you to God for his goodness and his provision. And as we know, some of those recipes that were up on the screen today, turkey, um, corn and pumpkin pie often feature in the Thanksgiving meal. And tradition has it that Thanksgiving originated in 1620, where the English pilgrims had a celebratory three-day meal with their Native American neighbours. And this meal was to give thanks for the good crops that had come and they were able to eat and celebrate with one another. And I suppose for us in the UK, the nearest thing we have to Thanksgiving is harvest, isn't it? Where we sort of come together and in schools and in churches and in communities across the UK, people come together to say thank you to God for the provision of the land and for being able to eat and be provided for. And so thankfulness and thanksgiving is a really important thing. And in New York City, they come together and they have these celebratory parades, Macy's, which is a huge department store, and it's sort of televised nationally, so that goes out. And then it is traditional at the end of the meal, after the turkey and the sweet pumpkin pie is digesting, everybody sits in front of the TV to watch a game of football. Now, doesn't this sound like the perfect day off? A day off work where everything stops and everything closes. You have a nice home-cooked meal, a nice sweet pudding, and then a day in front of the TV watching football, Simon Brown and Adam Day. Doesn't that sound like the perfect day to you? Doesn't it just? And so they used to play um, football games, colleges, and teams on Thanksgiving because that was generally the day off and so this is why this tradition has followed because when you go to America you always see a big game on the TV on Thanksgiving day. Okay so we're going to look at thankfulness and thank 
being thankful. So what is thankfulness? Thankfulness is when we focus on our blessings and express our gratitude to God for them. Thanks can be on our lips every day. We can never say thank you enough to God, to parents, to friends, to leaders. And when thanksgiving is an integral part of our lives, we find our attitude to life can change. We find we are more humble, gracious, and pleasant to be around, and we are more positive in our outlook. And what is the opposite to thankfulness? The opposite to thankfulness is dissatisfaction. And this comes when our attention shifts from what we do have to what we don't have. And we can read about the Israelites back in the Old Testament when they had been freed from their slavery in Egypt and Moses was leading them towards their new life in the promised land. And they begin to become dissatisfied with the provision that they were then receiving from God in the form of manna. And we can read about it in Numbers 11. And it says, oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember all the fish we used to eat in Egypt and all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions and garlic we wanted. But now all we have day after day is this manna. And they didn't seem to notice what God was actually doing for them in delivering them out of Egypt. He was setting them free from these oppressors and he was making them into their own nation and he was giving them a new land. And because they were so wrapped up in what God wasn't doing for them, they could think of nothing else but the delicious Egyptian food that they had left behind. And somehow they forgot that the brutal whip of Egyptian slavery was the cost of eating that food. And so it's helpful to think about what occupies our attention most of the time. Are we grateful for what God has given us? Or are we always looking and thinking about what we would like to have? And sometimes we have unfulfilled desires and that can cause us to forget about the gifts of God. The fact that we have life, breath in our lungs, food, provision, friends and uh, work and health and the great things God has for us in light of his wonderful forgiveness and his plan for our lives and the peace and the hope and the joy that he gives us. And when we consider the Israelites' attitude, they complained and they were there was harsh circumstances for that complaining. They complained about their hardships, they complained about their lack of meat, they complained about their lack of water, they even complained about Moses and Aaron's leadership, and they complained about being able to trust in God that he would provide for them. They lusted over things that they didn't have, openly rebelled against the leaders God had put for them, and they refused to believe that God would lead them ahead. When we have a complaining attitude or when we're around people with a complaining attitude, it can really lead to a bitter and complaining sort of lifestyle. And we can often look at other people's lives and covet or really wish that we had what they had or the life that they live. But sometimes the life people portray on the outside is often covering up some deep-seated hurt and pain on the inside. And that's why everybody's lives look so great on social media platforms, don't they? And it can make us feel very dissatisfied with our own lives. And, but remember that people only post the best photos for you to see. 
Now, whilst social media has many benefits and is an amazing tool for business and communication and all of these wonderful things, it can also make people feel increasingly unhappy and isolated. And the constant barrage of perfectly filtered photos that appear are bound to be like, able to like, knock one's confidence and their self-esteem. And studies have found that many people suffer now from Facebook envy. That's actually a thing. And they are deriving their sense of worth based on how they are doing compared to others. And it's also important as human beings to be able to actually communicate and forge personal connections with other people, rather than being glued to our rectangular screens and seeing the digital facades of these people rather than their real-life personas. In March 2018, there was a survey taken for Generation Z. Now, who doesn't know who Generation Z are? Okay, I wasn't sure either. But basically, the Generation Zs are the people who were born in the mid-90s up to 2004, I think. So up to 2015. So that's basically the youngsters. So these are now sort of aged between 4 and sort of 24. So young people. Is that correct? Yes? Okay. Right. So there was a survey taken in this uh, category of age group. And the survey was done, and over a third of these young people said that they were quitting social media platforms as it was making them feel anxious, sad, depressed, and dissatisfied about their own lives. Isn't that amazing? And at this age, people are extremely vulnerable and extremely impressionable. And this is the age where they are finding their sense of self-worth and identity. And so this barrage of other people's perfect lives comes across on a daily, hourly basis. And sometimes they take from that um, as their sense of worth. And that can be very unhelpful. And it just... It, it, it just makes us realise, doesn't it, that we all have challenges and issues that we deal with every day. We all have pain and hurt and different things in our lives which crop up and we need to deal with and we live with. And so we should not be sort of um, taken in, really, by other people's wonderful lives on social media and realise that it's just a facade. And so we have to be careful how we project things about other people's lives and not get into comparing ourselves with others. In Romans 12:16, in the message version, it says this, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. So I just quickly want to look at two things before we um, go off and enjoy the rest of the sunny day that seems to have uh, appeared this morning. I hope we don't get stuck in traffic, because today when I was coming out of my house, I was behind a police escort of 10 coaches. I thought, what's going on? And I thought, can't be the rugby, that's already on. So I believe there's a match, um, some football match, is it? Okay, there we go. Is it some football match somewhere? So there we go. Oh, I'm so not up to uh, date with these current events and sport. So I want to look at thankfulness for God's goodness to us, first of all. And in Ephesians, it says, God saved you by his special favor. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this, 
It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, when somebody gives you a gift, we don't say, oh, that's very nice, how much do I owe you, do we? We say, thank you, and we receive it. And it's a bit like that when we come into a relationship with Jesus. And yet sometimes, even as Christians, even though we have had this amazing gift of being saved and being freed from all the wrongdoings in our lives and entering into this wonderful relationship with Jesus, sometimes we can sort of feel obligated to try and work with lots of self-effort to try and please God, somehow thinking that if we're really, really good, we will deserve heaven. But when we become believers in Jesus, it's through grace and mercy and the unmerited favor of God. It's never the result of any sort of intelligence level or any effort or ability or good act on our part. However, out of a a gratitude and thankfulness for this free gift to us, we then seek to live, to help and serve others in kindness, in love and action, just like Jesus encouraged us to do so. And so we don't just go on living just to please ourselves. And so when we become sort of friends with God, when we get into the family of God by believing in Jesus and what he did for us, or what the Bible calls we become saved, This salvation is not a reward for any of our good deeds. It is a gift given freely by God, who is a loving, kind, merciful Father, who by sending Jesus gave us this amazing opportunity to believe and receive all of these wonderful things that surround us, his forgiveness, his peace. Do you know how wonderful it is to feel forgiven Isn't that an amazing thing? And sometimes we just so take it for granted that we are forgiven. The peace that he gives to our lives, that we can trust in him, that we know our futures are going to be okay because our lives are in his hand. Healing here on earth, in our minds, in our bodies, and a relationship with God who is the creator of heaven and earth and also our loving heavenly father, So we are his masterpieces, it says in Ephesians. And this week, or last week, and last night especially, we were at a party and their house was elevated. And as we were coming out, we could see this beautiful sunset, all colors of pink and orange and blue. And it was a gorgeous skyline. And I thought, that's like God's masterpiece, nature. You know, the creation. But actually, because of what Jesus has done, we are his masterpieces. So we are God's masterpiece. We are works of art because of Jesus. And if God considers us his masterpiece, we dare not treat others or ourselves with disrespect or as an inferior work. We can look at what we can look at the canvas of our own lives sometimes, can't we? And we can see all of its tears and rips and flaws. But actually, God says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. We are his best creation. And you are so loved. And you are so cared for. And when we find our identity in Jesus, we can put aside the world's definition of worth. And remember, you are his masterpiece, created for a purpose. And that makes me so thankful. The fact that I have a loving heavenly father who has rescued me. 
who makes sense of my life, even with all of its ups and downs and mess-ups and questions. I am so thankful that there is a God who cares and directs and guides my steps as I put my trust in him daily. And it makes me so thankful that God uses all of my experiences, good and bad, to grow me, to strengthen me, and on occasions to help others. And sometimes it's good to pause and thank God for what he has done and for who he is, with a grateful heart that we are never alone. So let's just do that now. Let's just pause. Let's just close our eyes for a moment and just say, God, you are amazing. Thank you for who you are and for what you have done, that I am never alone You have a plan for my life. Okay. And there's an old song, and it says, Draw back the curtain of memory, now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I might have been. Remember, I am human, and humans forget. So remind me. Or remind me, O oh Lord. So let's continue to be thankful for God's goodness to us. And secondly, I'd like to think of some things that we can be thankful for, for other people's goodness to us. Now, along life's way, I don't know about you, uh, but we don't make it on our own, do we? Or very rarely do we make it on our own. There are people in your life and mine who have invested their time, their wisdom, their prayers, their skills, and their advice in us. And people have given us a helping hand when we have needed it the most. And those times may have been the catalyst for you to grow or to be healed up in an area or to succeed in something and to move on. And there have been loads of people who have been instrumental in my life's journey so far who I am truly thankful for. And I firmly believe that they were planted in my life at a certain season, at a certain time for a specific purpose. And in Hebrews, it says this, think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. And expressing and showing our thanks to others is a real way of encouraging others. When God saves us, he puts us in a community of his children so we can live out our faith with the support of others around us. We all need each other. And so encourage and thank those who have encouraged you. When I was a little girl, I used to go to a little chapel at the end of our street. We weren't uh, a Christian family or anything like that. And a friend, a neighbor would pick us up, pick me up faithfully, take me to Sunday school and take me to Band of Hope, as it was then, which is like a little youth group, and safely bring us home. And the leaders of that church, as soon as I sort of got involved and became a regular member at the age of four and five and later on in the junior years... This couple, Jeff and Mary, were working full-time. They had four young boys, and they were sort of leading the church with some friends as well. And it was always amazing, because they always went out of their way. They always had the young people back at their house after a Sunday meeting to give us snacks and to watch a film and to chat. And they would give me a lift and give me a lift home. And then we moved to Llanelli, which was, you know, a good sort of seven or eight miles away. And then it became really difficult for me to get to the meeting, because nobody in my family had 
had a car. Uh, but this guy would come and he would pick me up and he'd take me to the church and he'd get me back to the house and we'd have a nice meal and then drive me all the way back to Llanelli on a Sunday night knowing that he had to get up for work early on the next day on a Monday morning. And I used to think that was such a wonderful thing. That was like using his gifts and his kind of putting his Christian life into practice where he would serve the young people of the village and of his church. And, you know, I sort of just took all that for granted. In some ways, I used to think, oh, that's kind of your job, really, isn't it? You know, to do that. You know, you're a Christian, you've got a church, you've run the church, it's kind of your job. But actually, it wasn't really. And uh, years later, when I was probably in my 30s, after having some children of my own and knowing how difficult it is when you're trying to juggle everything, I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you know, thank them. And I wasn't going to their church anymore. I'd moved to a different town and I was going to a different church. And so I wrote a long letter of just expressing my deep thanks, really, for all the sacrifice and the care that they'd given me. Because fundamentally, that, it wasn't so much his preaching, it was his love and support and care that stood me in a good foundation for the rest of my Christian life. And I can honestly say it was those practical things, you know, the lifts, the meals, getting to know me, having me in my home, helping me out when I had a problem, giving me advice, praying for me. Those were the things that set me on a firm foundation to then be able to feel the confidence and know and work out my Christian life for all of these years since. And so I wrote a letter and I put a small gift in the envelope and I popped it through their door and I just knew that that would have really encouraged them you know, 30 years later. And sometimes there are people in our lives who have been instrumental, whether when it was when we were a child, maybe it was somebody in our family, maybe it was somebody when we were in a church for a season or whatever. And sometimes we can take people for granted. And I just want to encourage us this morning to say thank you to God for his goodness. But also there may be those people in your life where it is right and good. And now is the time to say thank you and to encourage them for maybe something they have done or said and supported you in your life. And so before we wrap up this morning, what I've done is I've brought some note cards and I'm going to invite the band to come back to play, if that's okay. And um, then we're going to just take some time in reflection, really. And then you are very welcome to come, take a pen and a card, a little note card of thanks, take it home with you, write on it, or even today, allow the Holy Spirit to just... You know, place somebody on your mind or on your heart right now. Maybe somebody from years ago. It may be somebody in this room. It may be somebody who now lives the other side of the world. Maybe somebody on your street. But just think of those people who have invested their time, their love, their wisdom, and their advice into your life that you can be thankful for others' goodness to you. So we're going to just close our eyes. I'm going to pray, hand over to the band. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you love us and that your plan was to come to this earth to rescue us, restore us and have relationship with us. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died on that cross for our wrongdoings, that we can experience wonderful things, your forgiveness, your love and your peace our eternity safe with you forever. And I just pray for each and every one of us now that as we just take time to thank you for the good things that are around us, your love, your peace, your joy, food, breath in our lungs, friends, our health, provision, we thank you. 
Let us not be a people who take others for granted, but to thank those who have loved us, encouraged us, helped us along life's journey. Help us to honor those people and to say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.